You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Thanks for tuning into the Southern Way Podcast on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Haslam, and on this show we cover all things hunting culture across the South tips, tactics, and skills to better your pursuit. And of course, we'll do things the Southern way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Southern Way Podcast. I'm Mark Haslam, and I have on the line Casey Johnston. Casey, you there? Yes, sir. Well, thanks for being on, man. Yeah. I, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been looking forward to this because you've had quite the season last year um, hunting. We've been following each other for a while, and and uh, I mean, it wasn't just last year. You've had some really good success for a long time, and I I know you're a good hunter, so I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, man, it was a uh, it was a good year. Uh, very uh, very different for me. I just recently had a had a son, uh, so I had to get used to not hunting as much as I normally do. Uh, but what helped me, as far as that goes, was I, I did a lot of a lot more scouting this summer. Yeah, uh, to kind of have all my ducks in a row. Uh, spent a lot of time on this, on this, uh, deer I call the big, big Timon. Uh, he was, he's a five and a half year old this year. He's number one on my hit list. Uh, had a couple sits on him early September and, uh, around late September, he started kind of bouncing around. Uh, he would go a mile and a half away. And then, you know, the next, I'm hunting more or less like city deer. So as far as like big tracks of land, you know, uh, it's nothing for a deer to do a mile and a half, two miles, three miles, and then be back where they started the, the following morning. Um, but the city deer, as far as like the routes they have to take, um, it was kind of a big, big jump for me. And, uh, I had a management deer showing up pretty consistent and had a good buddy of mine that was going to come in and shoot that management deer for me. I was going to film him. We, we started a group bottomland blueprint, um, trying to get into the, the filming thing and starting the whole YouTube stuff up. And, uh, so I, I was running the camera. I didn't have my bows kind of frustrating, you know, having two bows, camera gear and all that stuff. So I just, I just took the camera and, and had him, had him on the bow and, and luck would have it. My, my 10 pointer walked in and, uh, I told him, you know, don't let him walk out of here. Cause he ended up, you know, grow some one thirty eight and three eights and you nice. don't you don't let you don't let mature southern deer like that just walk off. You don't you know you don't have very many opportunities at, at deer like that. So I I like to let him go ahead and shoot him. Uh that deer's pending right now gonna be the new new record for that county. Um that kinda started the year off. Um, 
and at that point, you know, I went to my number two target deer. Uh, I've been chasing him for four years. He actually had a tear in his Achilles. Uh, I, I nicknamed him peg leg. I, I never could figure out why he had the limp and his leg was messed up the way it was until I, I finally shot him. Um, but it, it looked like a torn Achilles, uh, tendon. Um, that deer would, he's, he would stick around all summer. I'd get plenty of velvet pictures of him around mid October. He'd disappear. And I had a really good idea of where that deer went. Um, I, I never pursued him. I kind of try to stay out of my little areas that I hunt as much as I can and let the cameras do the talking for the most part. And, uh, I was up there on a Saturday, uh, at my mom, it's actually at my mom's house, uh, putting some corn out, checking some cameras. And I said, you know, it never hurts to ask. I went and knocked on a fella's door and he was more than happy to let me hunt. Uh, I put a camera out that afternoon, uh, the following morning at eight o'clock in the morning, uh, he shows up daylight, broad, broad daylight. And I knew right then I was in his, his core, his little core area. Um, I was actually watching my son that day and called the in-laws and said, you know, Hey, is there any way you can watch the little man this evening? I got a, I, I got a good feeling about it. And they were more than happy to. And I shot him that afternoon at about an hour before, hour before dark. Uh, so that was kind of, you know, pretty quick early season that happened mid October. Uh, and then I didn't, that was it for my target deer. I, I did some about 50 miles of scouting this summer on some, uh, on some public land and got a few pictures of a deer that kind of struck my attention. He's got super long G2s, real tight frame deer. Uh, look, look to be, you know, very mature, but not having history with him. I didn't know exactly, you know, how old he was, but right. he would be something I'd want to pursue, uh, pursue. Um, uh, after I shot the deer on the name peg leg, I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to devote the rest of my season to this public land buck. Uh, it's more you know, big timber, rolling hills, kind of mountain terrain, uh, uh, you know, just natural forest, natural sign, no corn piles, nothing. Um, and I, I love that. I would much rather hunt big timber, natural sign, uh, over hunting, you know, city deer over a corn pile any day of the week. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was excited to take, take that step towards that deer, um, through, scouting and pictures and sending the pictures around to a handful of friends i found out that a good buddy of mine had been hunting that same deer for four years and i was you know as soon as i found that information out i wanted to call him and say you know hey i'd rather work with you than against you and you know kind of if i find something you know find find some sign or something and i can't hunt or you know you want to go hunt him or we just you know kind of partnered up and worked together um and eventually what killed that deer for me was finding the hunting pressure. I did a lot of studying on Onyx maps, uh, hours of studying. Uh, and I would take and drop pins and on the week, on the free weekends I had, instead of going in there and hunting him, I would just put boots on the ground 
and sign hunting pressure. And I narrowed it down to a ridge that was two miles from the gate. And I knew anybody in the right, you know, most people's not going to take that two mile hike uh, all the way back there. And I took a, a two days off of work. It was November 1st and 2nd. Uh, it called for a cold front. I needed them. This deer was bedded in the perfect spot. Um, anything, any, any wind straight out of the north, he would smell me before I got to him. And he, he was kind of landlocked by private land back there. Um, I needed something out of the northeast to get back there. And I had it both of them days. So the first day I didn't want to press too far back. I had another ridge in mind that I figured he would probably bounce back and forth between it had, uh, two saddles on it. And, uh, I went and said it the first morning, didn't see a deer. Uh, it was kind of thick, but there was a lot of big bucks on in there. I knew that's probably an area he spent a lot of time, but it was one of them deals where I wasn't going to see a lot of deer, but if I saw a deer, it would be him. Uh, and I just, that, that afternoon, uh, I packed, I, I do hang and hunt, you know, I, I haven't gotten the, in the whole saddle thing yet, but I carry, you know, my climbing sticks, my, uh, millennium and, uh, and just pack it in and I moved sets to that further ridge in the back. It had a bench on the side of it, just a white oak flat on the side of this ridge. And, uh, Loved the spot, set it up. I sat there for five hours that evening, never saw a deer. And there's, you know, there's plenty of sign, but I figured with that spot being right there, kind of on the side of the ridge, it would be more of a morning spot. So I elected to leave all my gear in the tree. It'd be a lot easier to walk in the next morning. And uh, next morning comes, and I'm actually running late. I didn't get to the gate until it was... 7:15. You know, it'd, it'd been daylight for a little while, and it's a two-mile hike in there, so I didn't get in the stand until eight o'clock that morning, and uh, was able to slide in. Didn't didn't bump any deer that I know of. Uh, around 8:45, 8:50, I had a doe running out of the bottom. She come almost up, all the way up to the flat, and darted back down into the creek bottom i could hear a buck grunting in there with her i just never i never did see him uh about five minutes later here come a two and a half year old eight pointer uh he come up fed around on some oaks i had some turkeys come through uh filmed them for a little bit and around 9 30 a doe come in from the bottom off to my right and she's coming down coming down the trail that's literally five and a half yards from my, the base of my tree. She comes in and just pegs me. And I mean, she looked straight up. Luckily she didn't blow or anything. Um, she darts off about 20 yards and, and just trying to figure me out. Never could. She, she eased off. And two minutes later, I hear another deer coming and it's him. They come down the same trail. She come down and I ended up shooting that deer at five and a half yards. Yeah. Uh, it was it was pretty intense, uh, pretty pretty intense. And and peg leg, I actually uh, shot that deer. He was seven yards. Uh, I had him just right up on top of me. Uh, 
but that that pretty much concludes you know my year it was i went i had 17 sits including you know morning sit and afternoon sit being two sits so i didn't get to hunt much but was able to just kind of watch the weather watch the cameras and do a lot of map studying is really what was key for me uh throughout the year just kind of picking the right times yeah uh yeah. to get away from the house and 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 the kids and and make the most out of the sits i did i did get to go on yeah that's um i mean it sounds like it was 17 cents and that's what you're able to um to accomplish for sure well let's um what part so you're uh what part of georgia or are you hunting or is this in, in was, wasn't some of it over in South Carolina too? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, um, I mainly, I mainly run cameras and, and, uh, hunt around the CSRA Augusta area, okay. uh, in Georgia. I live in, in South Carolina. So I buy and I paid my $405 and, and get my non-resident Georgia license every single year. And, uh, I spent a lot of my time deer hunting, in Georgia, but I also, I also hunt a lot of public in South Carolina and, and in Georgia, but mainly South Carolina public land. Um, I don't personally have any, you know, private land to hunt. I was kind of raised, raised hunting public land. I grew up hunting, uh, Sumner National Forest over in South Carolina. Uh, that's where I kind of learned to read deer sign and, and I, I feel like it made me, I almost made me a better hunter by, by hunting public land and becoming successful on public land because you can kind of figure out the pressure, uh, you know, hunting pressure and, and just knowing how to basically what I tell everybody is go where everybody else won't go. And with that being said, that don't mean go back two miles from the gate. Sometimes that means hunt next to the gate. You know, these days, some people just get the mindset they, they wouldn't need to get further away from the gate and really, Sometimes the best spot may be right there at the gate. It just kind of, you know, whatever situation you, you run upon. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, I, I think you're spot on with that. Cause I mean, I've, I've done more private land hunting in my, my life, but um, I've done a lot of public land hunting too. And it, uh, of course it's all different, but the one consistency is, you know, a lot of times people talk, people uh, refer to, private land almost as if it's like that all private land is just well manicured and tons of food plots and the deer are very tame but you know some some probably yeah i mean a lot of private land in the south i mean there's intense hunting pressure there's a lot of hunting clubs there's different stages of i mean there's different types of hunters out there maybe they're running dogs or they're doing this or that so my point is is that I, or rather to your point in my, like my opinion, whether you're hunting uh, public or private, you, you like the way I approach it. And it sounds like you're pretty, pretty damn similar is that you've, you, you understand what the deer are doing, you know, as far as the time of the season, what they should be doing and then where they should be. And then process of elimination, you look at the pressure and I mean, even exactly. like on, even like on private land, it's like okay, well, I got these permanent stands here. I know a lot of hunters are going here, so I'm going to go climb between. And really, it's just going around different hunters and knowing because. So that's 
another huge thing. Yeah. Another huge thing is not everybody, you know, I'm not, I'm not against rifle hunting at all. I grew up rifle hunting and I, I still will take a rifle out and rifle hunt. You know, I don't, just because I decided to bow hunt don't mean, you know, I have something against people that rifle hunt because, you know, however you do it, as long as it's legal, you know, do it. Uh, but being a bow hunter and having to have that deer closer to you to have an ethical shot kind of makes you think, uh, differently. You have to, you have to take a a map and figure out, you know, you not necessarily want to hunt a wide oak, uh, bottom that's wide open. Right. I, I try to focus in on a lot more of transition areas. Um, you know, thick pine, thick, you know, thick pines and not thick from a stand, you know, like a stand standpoint as far as, but at, on a deer's level, if you got wide open pines, that's got, you know, a lot of natural, natural brows and stuff and dog fennel and stuff like that in it. And it's thick to a deer's eyes. He feels comfortable in it. But if you're up in a tree, you know, obviously you, you can see him. So I like hunting more something where the deer is going to feel more comfortable. Uh, I'm just in a thicker area to where you're going to have a closer shot. Um, that's what uh, I like to look for a lot. Um, but you got to play the wind and, you know, not everybody, not everybody plays the wind. Uh, I figured that out with that public land deer. There was a guy coming in on private land uh, and entering into the public land. And it was about a mile from the gate, but with the north wind, which is predominant, you know, during the winter time, uh, the way his his access was horrible, and that deer was smelling him way before he got in there. So I just I take it, it's a lot that factors into making decisions on where to get tight with these you know these bucks because like that deer there, I I sent the tooth off and got him aged. Uh, at that place in Montana, I believe it's called deer age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sent a tooth off and had them do it. He was seven and a half years old. Uh, and to live that long on public land. And I know for a fact, my buddy was hunting him for four years and that other fella had been hunting him, uh, for four or five years. Uh, so the deer don't get that old, you know, being stupid. And it's just, outsmarting a deer like that on public land that gets and and i say public land but it's like you said private land i mean it gets just as much pressure as is public land uh i've hunted plenty of clubs with with buddies and you know you go look at their signing board and it gets more pressure than some public places do that's right in in the you're right about that because like shoot man like private land hunt club or or even if there's a group of guys hunting and there's no, you know, there's, there's no club or lease or anything. Someone gets some pictures of some good bucks. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, those areas are going to get pounded. Um, and sometimes it might be hunt the right way. Other times they might over hunt them. I mean, I, I mean, people, people over hunt food plots, for instance, in corn feeders, like it it happens all the time. People just, you know, you, you don't, I think they, I think a lot of times people don't, they don't realize that just because you sat on a stand, a permanent stand, 
and you didn't see a deer or you didn't see a, a buck, whether it's a food plot or a feeder, because I've seen a, a lot of people are hunting that way. Um, they think that I, I didn't see a deer, but in reality, if you're on a permanent stand on a, on, on a, on a, uh, on a supplemental feed site like that, there's, there's going to be deer around you. Like you, you've, a deer has seen you coming and going or smelled you or some kind of presence and all and that. That's just, why they're staying there. Yeah. Yeah. And all that exactly. adds up. So, okay. So let's, that's another big thing about my, like, I try to like my areas I do hunt right here in in Georgia mm-hmm. are more city deer. I that big ten pointer that was five sits on that deer. Um, peg leg, the second deer I shot, uh, I set three times on that deer, and I haven't been back since. I put you know changed batteries and stuff like that, but I try to keep my even the areas I hunt almost like a sanctuary. I want the deer to feel comfortable and I want to be very precise on if I do decide to go in there and hunt, you know, make sure every, all the conditions are right and go in there and execute and not just constantly hunt the same spot every single time. Them deer are pattern you and eventually you'll, you'll push them to the neighboring property or wherever. Yeah, that's, you're right about that. So let's talk about your setup because you've talked a lot about, you know, you've talked mention your hunts and you're walking you're 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 walking in some distance you talked about sticks can you run through your setup as far as your bow your arrows um your stand setup and uh and if you're if you're filming these hunts you know just kind of covering your setup okay yeah well. uh so i have uh i have one of them Cabela's, uh, it's almost like one of the backpacks you use out west. You know, it's got the straps on the bottom for like your, uh, what a, you know, tin or whatever they put on the bottom of them. I've never been out west, so uh, I'm not familiar with all that stuff. But I take them two straps on the bottom of my bag, and I got uh, some Summit uh, climbing sticks. They're a little heavier, but uh, I like them. Uh, I take three uh, three sticks in, and it's got the the, they're the longer sticks, so I can get up, you know, roughly about 18, 20 foot. Um, I got a Millennium Ultralight. I, I love it. Uh, super, super lightweight. And uh, what I'll do is I'll strap my Millennium on my chest and throw my backpack with my sticks strapped onto the bottom on my back. Um, and that's how I hike in. I got, uh, I have a 12 inch stabilizer and I have a longer, uh, I got the Spot Hog Fast Eddie XL uh, site with paired up with an UltraView scope on it. And um, I'll kind of just throw that over my shoulders and I just pack in. Um, it's, it's pretty simple. Now, adding the camera gear this year added some weight and, uh, and stuff, but it's just like anything, you know. Once you get a system down, it, it becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's basically my setup as far as that goes. Uh, my bow is a pretty cool story. Um, I've all, I grew up shooting archery and, and shot some tournaments. I, I used to do the ASAs and local archery tournaments and stuff. Um, 
and I've had, you know, I, I kept the same bow for probably eight or nine years. Um, the, let's see, when was that? I'm trying to remember. Uh, the day before I got married, uh, I shot my biggest buck to date. He ended up grossing 142. Um, I shot him that morning. I had the rehearsal dinner for, for my wedding the, that night and all my groomsmen surprised me with at the time was the newest Matthews V3, the 27. Oh, damn. Nice. Uh, yeah. So they all pitched in and got me a new Matthews and surprised me with that that afternoon. And then I got married the following day. So that was, that was a pretty neat weekend, but I, I'm still shooting it. I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. Even if I do buy another one, just cause the sentimental value, but, uh, um, Right now, I'm just pulling 60 pounds on my on my uh, mods. I think I'm gonna bump it up this year. But I was shooting a lighter arrow and uh, right at 400 grains um, with the 60 pound mods, it's just easier to draw back um, and be still. You know, you see some guys draw a bow back and they, you know they throw the bow way up in the air and then lean back. Uh, I want to be able to just hold that bow at my target and just ease the bow back very slowly. So, and it, it's worked for years. So I never really had a reason to, to bump it up and shoot 70 or 75 pounds or anything like that. Um, I did shoot the slick trick torches this year and I love them. I've been shooting the Raptor tricks for years, but I tried out the new torches this year and every single deer I shot went less than 60 yards uh fairly easily you know blood trail i watched both of them crash um <coughs> not much better that, better than that i mean that's that's about yeah, as good as it gets I, I, i'm i'm kind of throwing the idea out there i i kind of wouldn't mind getting into like you know a recurve or a longbow uh i just enjoy shooting one and I, you know maybe it was luck or 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 whatever this year but you know it would have been perfect i shot both of my deer inside of 10 yards you know it'd have been a, a chip shot with a longbow or a recurve and i'm kind of tossing the idea around about about trying that but i don't know i haven't decided on it yet yeah that would certainly be a whole nother challenge so when you when you're going in two miles or even i mean shoot i mean even a half mile it, are these areas when you when you shoot these deer are these areas that you can come back with a vehicle of some sort or are you dragging the deer yeah. out or how, are, are, I, i'm are dragging it up yeah so i it was a blessing the the boy that uh had been hunting that deer for so long uh i called him as soon as i shot the deer and he had a deer cart with him and he lives close by so i i owe it to him he he come out there and and I packed, I packed in two miles. I shot the deer. I packed all my gear back out, uh, two miles back to the truck and waited on him. When he got there, uh, he had his cart and all with him. We went two miles back in and two miles back out with the deer and I wouldn't have made it without him. Um, I do have a deer cart. The bad thing is I kind of feel like it's a bad juju if I bring it with me. <laughs> so it kind of defeats the purpose of having a deer cart. Yeah. But, uh, Luckily, I got, I had, you know, some buddies help me with that deer. Um, but, you know, I got other public land spots that, 
I've killed some very nice public deer on, uh, and they're, you know, that spot there's a mile and a half, uh, walk there. And I have drug deer a mile and a half out by myself before. And it, it takes a little while, but it's doable. It's just, I feel like deer back there act different. You know, they're, they're not pressured. They don't, they don't, uh, they're not on edge once you get that far back or just get away from public, you know, hunt pressure in general, the deer are more relaxed. Um, so it's just kind of putting in the work that most people don't want to put in to have success and knowing, I mean, when you, and my, my kind of thought process is getting back there and hanging hanging and hunting and, and doing all that that's the hard work yeah when you finally do have success you're not worried about dragging that deer out oh no you're no. you know you're you're yeah. adrenaline you know you're on cloud nine you just kind of fight through it but for most folks it's like well i ain't going back that far i don't want to drag one that far and it's just yeah. doing what my success has been just doing what other people are not willing to do for the most part, I'm not saying I'm the only one that does it. There's plenty of people out there that do it, but the there's not not a lot. Oh yeah, man, I I I, I get it because I mean I like when I like when I hunt our our place in South Carolina. Um, I mean, I you know I scout and kind of you know know where certain areas are where deer should be but then it's a lot of times man i i'm looking at um what food plots we have like any given year like the time of year early season late season what food plots red hot and then you know figuring out where the deer are bedding or where they usually bed and then where you know you know, basically, you know, cut them off going to the food plots or I just hunt around stands. I mean, like I'll use the other hunting pressure to my advantage. And I, I mean, I climb, even though it's private land, we got a lot of good permanent stands. I mean, I climb probably 90% of the time. Um, and I, that's, that's a good point. I, I, I believe that's why I hang and hunt a lot. I, I typically don't hunt a spot more than two or three times. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like, if you consistently hunt a spot, a deer are going to figure you out. They're going to smell your ground scent. Uh, just oh, yeah. all kind of different factors go into it. So I found a lot of my success, you know, bouncing around, just like you're talking about, you know, not staying in the same spot, hunting permanent stands, kind of just bouncing around. And, you know, like you was talking about, you know, going off of, you know, history and stuff, that's another big thing, keeping a either a log or a mental log of, you know, sign that you find uh scouting or whether it be blood trailing a deer and yeah. you know typically a deer is going to take you some places that you never really walk to because maybe it's thick but you you know find every little piece of information that you do find throughout the year scouting whether it be summer during the season or or whatever kind of just keep keeping a log or a mental log of that and using it to your advantage you know down the road that's right man that that's 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 really how it is and and you know all all the research i i was just at a at a at a at the southeast deer study group conference th this past week and um 
all this new research that they just continually put out these different universities um where they're where they're where, where they where where they capture bucks which is i gotta tell you like seeing footage of that it's pretty wild i mean how they fly over in helicopters and they shoot a net on them most of the time um they dart them and they put a collar on but anyways all, all of the data and because the the research projects are getting so in depth and they'll and they'll answer one question then they'll go and do another project and answer more questions but anyways all the data keeps keeps saying that one is that bucks bucks have all bucks have many beds like they're not going to to, oh, yeah. to, the, to the same beds i mean mississippi state they they will be putting this content out pretty soon um out of the public but i mean they they bucks in the south have they just bed where they can but on top of that they're consistently moving i, I i've got the notes written down man. i mean they're moving like every couple hours so the so on average so the the thought that like they're going to bed down uh at night and just stay there all day until you know the afternoon is they go up to like where you're talking about where it's thick, where they feel safe, where there's no other hunters and they're bedding and they're getting up and eat, eating some more. And so it's, yep. um, it's, yeah, I mean, I, that's sounds like that's how you get in. So, okay. So season's over, obviously. What, what do you, do you have bucks that you've been watching the past year or two past season? Have you seen some sign? Have you been scouting or what's your plan going into next season so i actually just recently had a heartbreak um i've been running trail cameras now for 15 16 years and i got a picture of a deer uh two years ago he was two and a half years old and he was already a mainframe 10 um i figured the deer had you know was going to be special i kind of kept an eye out for him the following year well at at three and a half, um, he was roughly 130 inch 10 pointer, um, mainframe 10. He had little nubs where he was trying to be a mainframe 12 and he had some other trash and, and, you know, very respectful deer for the South. I mean, 130 inch deer is a nice deer, but oh, yeah. when you know, when you have history with a deer like that, you're, and you're a trophy hunter, uh, you know, my rule is five and a half. Um, well, that deer was on my radar, but my biggest problem is with my little Georgia piece over here is I had a lot of old mature bucks and they're going to, you know, they're going to bounce around like you were talking about from bed to bed, but most of the time they're going to take up the best bedding, your, your mature deer, and, and they're going to run a lot of your, your other bucks off, especially when like where I'm hunting, it's not big tracks of timber, you know, you're talking 20 30 acres here little small blocks in between and another 20 30 acres here um so what was happening was a lot of my older mature deer uh were running a lot of my other bucks off same scenario with this deer uh i got a picture sent to me uh and instantly i knew it was that deer this year he was a uh, mainframe 12 with Ooh. two extra tines on his left side he was, had eight on his left and six on his right. 
Um, I, you know, just looking at him and, and, and kind of eyeballing it, I had him mid fifties as a four year old. Um, and found out where the picture was taken. Uh, I locked in a 27 acre track over there where he was at and I, not to hunt him, you know, I just wanted to kind of go ahead and get a permission piece over there where he was at, start running the camera, see if I could pick him up and just, you know, hope and pray he made it through the season. Um, I've been, you know, deer's kind of been off the mind here lately and I, I done switched gears and, you know, my favorite thing to do is turkey hunt. So I've been, been thinking about that and not really thinking about deer and a buddy of mine that knew about that deer uh, sent me a picture on the last week in the season, uh, that deer got shot at four and a half years old. Very nice deer. 99.99% of people would shoot him. I mean, especially around here, they're not, you know, this county's not really known for great big deer. Uh, you know, one, 147, I believe, with a rifle is the county record, and it's been that way for 30 years. And uh, I was really, really hoping that deer would make it. I, I, I figured he had booner potential uh, next year at five and a half. Um, that was kind of my main target I was going to go for next year. Uh, he, uh, let's see. Kind of lost my train of thought there for a second, but uh, I do have some backups, uh, some really solid four-year-olds that I watched last year, and I filmed. Uh, I filmed one of them the first three sits of the season. He's a super, super cool-looking eight-pointer, big, tall brow tines. Uh, I just, you know, nothing in that caliber range, uh, especially you know in the south. I mean you. I've been running trail camera for 15 years. Like I was saying, I've never had a deer that had the potential to be as big as that deer would have been. Yeah. So I, it's kind of, kind of tough, tough, but yeah, it happens. That's part of it. It's tough, man. Cause I mean, yeah, I mean, even on private land, it's, it's, uh, I mean, most people are dealing with private land. That's, uh, maybe a couple hundred acres at max. Um, and if you're, I feel like if, I feel like if someone's got like maybe 3000 acres plus, they can kind of have their own deer to where like some bucks yeah. might not be leaving. I mean, some people out there hunting 5,000 or 10,000 acres. And with that, like you, a lot of those deer aren't even leaving your property, but I mean, you know, like my property and it's, you know, I mean, there's some areas where. I mean, any given buck could be on three or four different tracks and, and you know, yeah. in some highways. So just to your point, man, I mean, it's, it's, that's one of those things where it's like when you're hunting or if you're managing, if you're managing the land or, or even if you're hunting, you got to make that decision. It's like, I've got a good three-year-old buck or four-year-old buck and it's this size and it's like, yeah, I, I could wait and let them, but I can't control what other people are doing, even if like in your yep. hunt club or, or public land. So that's why I, I, I was going through, I, I, always, I, through. I always try to bet on the deer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
and and you know if it happens it happens i'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason god's god's plan is way bigger than ours uh so congratulations to you know to that hunter uh it kind of it kind of stinks but it wasn't meant to be so i try not to stress uh you know too much on on certain things uh, that's right but that's right yeah man because uh, i mean it, it's like i mean just you know hearing you describe how you hunt and also how you kill these deer that's the other thing is that you know a lot of people can talk about how they hunt and a lot of people they can listen to whoever and they can read whatever book and they can hear the best person in the world talk about how they deer hunt but you're out there actually doing i mean you're actually killing really outstanding bucks the hard way so i know you know you know um you know what to do so it, it it's uh it's tough man i mean i i went through some phases where i was i was running a lot of cameras during the season i was getting bucks i was naming bucks i was going after these said bucks but i i've i'll probably get back in it but after having a second kid um so i got it, two yeah kids. I, I know that i got I, one on the way yes i've got two It'll be young kids, number two so. So what I did the past season, this past year season, I, I just I, I I stopped running a lot of cameras during the season. I started just to hunt, to where like ba- basically yeah. I wasn't gonna pick one buck. I'm just going, and when I see something I like, anything mature, yeah, or maybe I see sign and and I I tell you like one of the one of the best things I did and I it was not by it was it was by I guess just fate. I, I was long story short, I was going, uh, like early, early mid October. So right there on the, right there during pre-rut, you know, the bucks are out making sign. It was early October and I was going to try to climb this one area where some white oaks were, but, but the wind was just bad. I mean, it was swirling this way and that way. I went to plan B Wind was bad. It took me forever to even find a spot. But what happened is, I did, I, I did a lot more walking than I wanted to, and I busted a lot of deer. A lot of deer busted me just by walking around. But I yep. saw these deer. I didn't want to do it, but by walking around, I saw all these deer like the past two hours, like the last two hours of light. And then I went back two weeks later, and I killed a buck I saw, and then I killed some does. And I that that's something where like I, I'm not saying I'll do that tactic again. I, I might, but it's... Sometimes you just got to get out there, like you said, man, just go find sign and just and have the confidence that you can find good sign and you know what deer are going to be doing. Exactly. And you know, the biggest the biggest point to that is, you know, you get in what you – you get out – get you know what I'm trying to say. I, I, my tongue's all twisted up. You get in – you get what you put in. Absolutely, you know, man. If you're gonna yeah. put that, if you're gonna put the effort in, uh, you know, you'll reap the rewards. Uh, so you know, I have a lot of buddies of mine. They're always talking, man. You got a horseshoe, and you know this and that, oh, and uh, it's they're they're the ones that you know they want to walk a hundred yards to the stand, get up in the stand, and yep. and try to get lucky. That's it, right. They're not gonna put in the effort. You know, you can. You can try to, I'll tell people all the time. They ask me, you know, what's your secret? I put in the work, put in the work yeah. as simple as that. Uh, put in the scout and put in the miles. Like that public land buck, 
I probably walked 50 miles total, uh, boots on the ground, studying maps, you know, for hours to, to kill that deer. It, it, and yeah, it took me three weeks and five sets to kill him after I, I kind of made my mind up, but a lot led up to that. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Man. A lot, a lot of boots on the ground scouting and it's just putting in the work. Uh, and anybody can go out there and have this, you know, same success. You just gotta, you gotta get out there and, and put in the work scout. Uh, and, and the biggest thing is if something goes wrong, like in the hunt, learn from it. Don't just brush it off. You know, say you do something and like, especially turkey hunting, you, you know, you don't have to be, it's more marks, you know, like woodsmanship, uh, versus being a really good caller and just learning from mistakes. And, that, and you can take the same thing and, and, and put that, you know, with deer hunting too. Uh, it's just learning, learning from your mistakes and, uh, put the, put the work in. Anybody can go out there and do it. I, I like that. We, we got a little bit of time here and I, I wanted to, you brought up turkey season. I do want to have you you back on, maybe some of your other guys in bottom lane blueprint talk about turkey hunting because I know y'all are some big turkey hunters. But let's just talk about the first part of the turkey season. I, I don't we don't we'll get you back on, talk about more, yeah. but the season's coming up pretty soon, at least at Georgia and South Carolina. You got some strategies that you implement the first part of the season, you know, like the first, like opening week, opening weekend. Um, so what, a lot of things that I'll try to do, uh, um, get out there and, and I'll go out there, uh, especially a lot of the public areas I hunt. Um, I like to get out there and scout, just scout, 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 uh, know where the birds want to be, um, and try to go ahead in the first few days of season and, you know, get in them areas you know, most likely you're going to have success, uh, pretty quick and try to get in there before everybody else does. Um, I got, we got some big things planned. Uh, I got a youth hunt with Fortner, uh, taxidermy, his son, uh, taking him on a youth hunt. We had a drawing, uh, for a youth hunt. We're taking another youth out. Uh, so we got a lot, lot going on here pretty pretty soon uh but uh as far as tactics you know early season i just i try to scout and get get as much scouting in as i can uh to know where them birds are at where they want to be you know they'll start splitting up from their winter fall pattern uh and kind of uh getting into that springtime pattern and and just figuring out where them birds are at where they want to be and uh going from there trying to get success early on public land i don't i'm not going to be able to turkey hunt as much as i want to i'll work monday through friday uh with the sheriff's office so um i'm a weekend warrior i try to try to take and have all my scouting done so i can methodically pick out my weekends where i'm going kind of how i'm gonna do things based off of past history and pressure that certain areas I get. Um, I do have a trip planned to uh, uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. I got a one-week trip. I'm going to kind of do both both states. That's that's going to be fun. I've been going to Tennessee now for 
the last three seasons and man i love it that's i've never out of you know hunted out of state deer hunting besides you know georgia carolina because i'm right here you know around augusta area on the border so i hunt both of them but i'd like to get into maybe getting out of state and doing some deer hunting in the in the future that's good man that sounds like you got uh you got a lot going on or or playing for turkey season it's uh i know y'all are hardcore you and the guy other guys from bottomland blueprint are pretty hardcore yeah. about turkey so it's uh it, it, yeah, it's we, addicting that's that's for sure yeah oh yeah that's we uh we kind of designed our logo based based on you know that's that's all we do really is deer and turkey but when it, you know if you ha- if we had to pick it would probably be the turkeys uh with deer being a close second because i you know we get pretty serious about it too but uh pretty much everybody in the group uh huge turkey hunters uh so we're we're very excited for that coming up uh but that's right man yeah so well cool man i i y'all got anything going with bottom land blueprints you know anything new that you share or anything on the horizon yeah so we uh we got some hats and uh hoodies we're in the process of making some shirts uh we're kind of just right now just kind of you know making some stuff for ourselves and kind of getting it out there you know through content seeing you know how many people would you know be interested in maybe buying some shirts and hoodies and stuff while we're in the process you know getting our llc and tax id number and all that stuff so we can legally sell uh apparel but uh we should we should have uh some apparel coming out here soon and you know available to the public we're we're hoping before turkey season but if not you know during turkey season um, nice i'm looking forward to that That's we're cool. we're gonna i think we're gonna start cranking out some some youtube stuff and diving into that nobody in our group's ever done it i've filmed uh you know i filmed him in the, here and there uh for since 2013 uh it's when i kind of dove into filming and stuff but uh now we're all you know serious in it second angle cameras and 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 all this other stuff so just getting used to that and uh we're gonna i think we're gonna start dropping some turkey hunts this spring on our youtube and a lot of our uh deer season stuff from this year will be uh probably coming out next fall okay cool Yes. Okay. So y'all gonna y'all gonna put out some of the some of the stuff from this past fall. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, you know, and and some of it, like uh, some of my hunts, it's it's probably gonna be more or less, you know, short clips here and there of the hunt, and kind of almost me storytelling the hunt. Because uh, uh, like peg leg, you know, I just got into the filming stuff this year, but I I had, you know four years of history with that deer and I, I didn't film anything besides this year. So it's going to be hard to kind of do that, do that story any justice. If I just showed the, you know, what, what little bit I filmed of him this year, um, without telling the whole story. Uh, cause that, that deer there ties in with another deer that I'll, I'll probably talk about. I don't have any film from that hunt, but a deer I called moose, uh, that 142 I shot uh day before I got married 
mm-hmm. that deer had uh 35 inches of mass wow uh that's that's how he got his his nickname uh it was pretty insane he was a mainframe eight pointer uh and he had an extra tine in between his brow tine and his g2 that was about 10 inches long uh pretty cool looking deer but just crazy mass yeah that sounds like it well i'm looking forward to that uh that content coming down the road where can people find yourself and uh bottomland blueprint so we're on uh mainly right now we're on instagram uh one of the guys in the group has our uh he's running our tiktok i don't i don't really do tiktok too much but if you want to check it out he's got a uh got us up on tiktok and facebook and then be looking out, you know, sometime this spring, I think we're going to start dropping some stuff on YouTube. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I am because I, I've been following y'all for a while and I know y'all some good, good hunters and I always appreciate real content, you know, nothing that's staged or anything like that. Oh, Just yeah. real and, you know, easy yeah. to relate to, you know? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, Casey, listen, I appreciate your time um today and sitting down going through the past season i'm looking forward to getting y'all on talking about turkey season trying to oh, get yeah. after some birds soon is because i mean it's shoot i'm I, i'm itching to go try to find some shed antlers i'm gonna hopefully have a, at least a day i can sneak away this weekend i'm not sure if i can yet but i i know that feeling with the i got a 11 month old and another one due mid-july so I don't get to get out the house much, but when I do, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's one thing I'm I'm looking forward to. I I got a handful of areas. I I typically try to wait to shed hunt, you know, around late February, early March. I feel yeah. like er, most most of the deer have dropped by then. Uh, I do know I got a handful of buddies in the group that they've been checking their food plots and finding a couple here and there. But you know me only like you you're saying you know not having much time to get away from the house or or, or work or whatever uh if i'm a go i, I kind of want to wait till most of the deer have dropped that way you know I maybe find more yeah that's the you're right man i i uh right now i'm, I'm just mostly just 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 uh checking you know ag fields and food plots and just basically fields just so that Maybe a fox squirrel doesn't grab it and drag it off, or that's, I mean, yeah, that's just, another uh, thing. Or you know, like a yep. you know, someone kind of do like start doing some. I mean, they'll be doing some farm prep work pretty soon, and just to just start looking for them. And I, it's tough, man, because I'm supposed to supposed to hang some wallpaper at my house this weekend, which I, I've never done that before. I don't know how that's going to go, but I tell you something that does change with kids is that. Uh, both my kids, they're four and seven. So they're, they're a handful, but I take them hunting with me and they love going shit. I mean, they love doing anything up there. So, um, it's not just I, me I'm that wants to go. To yeah. Like they, they want to go. So as soon as you can, as, as soon as you can teach your, teach your kid to say, Hey mommy, I want to go hunting with daddy or I want to go shed hunting. It's like, yeah, it makes it a little harder for, for, for her to say it's no hilarious to right now man uh my my 11 month old he uh he's obsessed with my deer mounts uh i'll ask him where's the deer and he looks straight up at him and points him he wants to go up wants me to walk over there so he can touch him and uh, you know he's constantly he can't 
he says dada and mama but he can't talk yet but he'll make noise and point up at the deer and he's always wanting me to pick him up so i can touch the deer heads and stuff so he's he's getting that spark but yeah I, yeah man i'm i'm anxious to to, to get him out there yes man it's it's cool to see and it, it just uh like this past season i i've been taking my son with me hunting for a couple of years now and i just and I, and I shoot with him yeah he he's not shooting anything and but this past season he started to really to to really like look for the blood you know he's been hanging around the skinning shed he sees it it doesn't really freak him out and this past season you know we'll go out and i'll pull the trigger and um and then he and then he helps me look for blood and he finds it and we trail it so it's it's uh that's awesome i feel like if you start kids out early like that, they're going to, at least I hope, I hope that with my kids that they'll eventually, that they'll start to learn the basics, you know, like, like, like how to walk in quiet, how to be quiet and stand, yep. how to blood trail. So then when it's time for them to learn how to shoot a bow or a gun and really take that weapon on the stand, like they're going to be, they're going to know already they're gonna a be lot. Prepared. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, if you're 10 or 12 or whatever, and you start learning how to shoot then first, there's not, not, nothing wrong with that, but you're learning how to shoot before you learn all the other basics, like the foundation, you know, with woodsmanship and just, yeah, like you say, walking in the woods and, and everything. And that's the way I was brought up. That, that's all I did. Uh, my dad said that, you know, ever since I could walk, he had me in the woods. Uh, and you know, I, that's what I was raised doing. That's all I know. Uh, that's basically all my hobbies hunting and fishing that's it and uh so yeah yeah just i mean if you make it a lifestyle that's all they know i mean obviously you're gonna have sports and stuff like that but if you make it you know something you consistently do and and he it just becomes a lifestyle that's right and he don't you know but until they're old enough to make their own decisions. But I mean, if he's anything like if he's going to be anything like me and that's, you know, that's all I did. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, you know, anytime dad was going, I wanted, to, I wanted to go. Yeah. So. That makes sense. All right, Casey, I appreciate your time, man. This, this has been a lot of fun recapping your season and then the season ahead. And then also talking a little Turkey with you. Yes, sir. I enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to, to getting together and, and talking a little bit more about some turkeys. That's right. We'll do it. I appreciate your time, buddy. All right. And we'll All right. Uh, have a good one. You too. You take care. All right. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening.